0: And happy Valentine's Day. Hey, we are so thrilled that you've joined us online today. And I just want to say on this special Valentine's Day that it is a reminder to you just how much God loves you. And I want you to take that in and embrace that truth because God truly does love you with an unfailing, unconditional love. And so with that, we're beginning a brand new series today that I'm really excited about. We're calling it A Relationship Revival. And I want to encourage you to stick around for a few moments immediately after the message because we're doing something... Really exciting. I'm calling it Table Talk, and we're going to have some key takeaways. It's just going to be a brief conversation about how we can apply today's message in our lives in different areas and in different ways. So I think it's going to be a great, great blessing to you. You know, when you think about everything that we've been enduring over the last year, you know, as a result of the stay-at-home orders and, you know, unfortunately, you know, being social distance from one another. And, you know, when you think about all of the, you know, the social and the racial and really just all of the political challenges that we have encountered really over the past year, I think we could all agree with the fact that if there's anything that we need now more than ever, it is a revival within our relationships. My goodness, we have endured so much. And as a result, we've encountered so much pain and so many hardships and so many challenges. But listen, I believe that God wants to revive our most important relationships. And I was looking at the dictionary the other day and I find, found this to be very interesting because the word revival actually is defined as an improvement in the condition or strength of something. And I think what we need more than anything is we also need a spiritual revival. In other words, we need a return back to God. We need to embrace and apply the truths of God's word in our everyday lives. Because I believe when we get our vertical relationships right, guess what? We're going to get our horizontal relationships right as well. And I think that's so important when it comes to experiencing a relationship revival in our hearts, in our homes, our marriages, our relationships with our kids, our coworkers, our teachers, people within our community. Listen, God wants to revive the most important relationships in our lives. i do never forget um, when I was a teenager, I had a motorcycle accident And through the years, I had um, made countless trips to the chiropractor because I had a serious um, collarbone injury, which as a result shifted some things in my neck. And so I would go to the chiropractor, and the reason why I would go is because... I would always have excruciating pain in the middle of my back between my two shoulder blades. And so I would go into the chiropractor and I would complain to my chiropractor about the pain and the suffering that I was experiencing in the middle of my back. And so what he would do is he would, of course, ask me to lay down on my back and then he would get my neck. Now, I don't want to gross you out here, <laughs> but he would take my neck and he would adjust my neck. Now, you may be asking the same question that I was asking myself because I would ask the chiropractor, I said, why are you adjusting my neck when my pain is actually in the middle of my back? And he said, Rodney, what you need to understand, he said, your problem that you're experiencing is not your problem. He said, what you're actually referring to is referred pain. He said, that's what we actually describe your situation. In other words, when you're experiencing the pain or maybe the symptoms in one area, it's because of something else. In other words, there's a root problem somewhere else that's causing the pain in that location of your back. You know, it's kind of interesting to me because what he would do is he would give me an adjustment and what he was trying to do is get me in proper alignment. What I've come to realize is the same truth applies in our own relationships because when you think about the challenges that we face, maybe it's in our marriage relationship, maybe it's between you and your kids, between you and your parents, or maybe you're in conflict with a coworker, worker maybe just somebody that maybe you don't necessarily see eye to eye with. Well, what happens is that when we have an issue or maybe there's a a point of conflict between us and someone else, what happens? Well, often the natural emotion might be anger or resentment or frustration or hurt or whatever the symptom might be because that's truly what it is. Those are the emotions and those are the symptoms that aren't necessarily the root problem. You see, the root problem is actually caused by something else. And here's what's interesting. What's interesting is that what's actually causing the problem is not necessarily our hurt or our anger or our disappointment or our frustration. What's actually causing the problem is something far worse, and that is a condition of our heart. You see, we're holding on to things or we're allowing situations and circumstances to seep within our hearts which is causing those other forms of symptoms. So as a result, what we may be focused on may not necessarily be the problem, but here's the issue. The issue is is that God needs to make some adjustments in our lives And the reason why is because the adjustment that he wants to make in and through our lives is so that we can get in proper alignment with his plan and with his purpose for our lives and our relationships. And what is God's purpose for our relationships? I can summarize it in one word, and it's the word unity. I think that's so important. As a matter of fact, here's what's interesting. The Apostle Paul was in a prison cell in Rome. He had spent his whole life, he had spent many, many years working towards getting to Rome because he wanted to preach the gospel there. And the first thing that happened, unfortunately, got arrested for preaching the gospel. And as a result, he finds himself in a prison cell. He was there for approximately two years, waiting basically to either be executed or to spend the rest of his life there in prison. Well, he wrote a letter to a group of people in a church where he had founded in a place called Philippi. It was a metropolitan community or city there in Greece. And what was um, happening is as Paul was there in that prison cell in Rome, someone came to visit him. And as a result, Paul had heard that there were some disagreements, that there was some strife, there was some there was basically some conflict that was happening among the brothers and sisters in Christ, the spiritual family, there in that church that Paul had helped establish. And so in the book of Philippians, Paul wrote this letter, and in chapter one, here's what Paul was doing. He was emphasizing the importance to get in alignment as far as our relationship with God so that in Christ, we not only know who we are in Christ, but we know whose we are in Christ. And our mindset and our heart is focused on Jesus and Him alone. But then in chapter 2, here's what Paul did. Paul put the focus now on one another. Because what in essence, what he was saying is that, hey, when you get your heart right and you get in proper alignment between you and God, what it's going to do is going to help give you a better sense of perspective and how we get along with one another. So what he was doing is he was challenging them with this whole focus on unity. And here's the thing. What he was doing was this. He was saying, I don't want you to be focused on your, your rivalry. I don't want you to be focusing on you know, things such as the things that divide you. But rather, he said, focus on those things that unite you. And the one thing that these people all had in common was the relationship with Jesus Christ. So at the center of it all, what Paul was challenging them to do was to stay focused on Jesus and focus on the commonality and be unified with one mind, with one heart, with one purpose to be single minded and not just how they worshiped the Lord, but ultimately how they got along together because it was through Christ that brought them together through the harmonious unity that he longed for them to experience. And so in Philippians chapter 2 verses 2 through 5, here's what Paul basically said to them in the letter that he wrote. And he said, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fulfill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but In authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. You see, what Paul was trying to help them understand is that, hey, all the bickering, all the fighting, all of the division, all of the conflict and the rivalry that some of you are experiencing, he said, that is not your problem. He said, those are symptoms of what you're experiencing, but what the real problem is, is being caused by a heart issue. And I think that's so vitally important because in James 4, 1, James says it this way, What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You know, what's interesting is that Paul was emphasizing that the, that the whole challenge and the root issue of the relational conflict that they were experiencing within their own church within their own spiritual family, if you will, was this. It was an issue of self-centeredness. You see, that was the root of a lot of their bickering and their disagreements and their arguments. And what is the root of self-centeredness? You ready for this? It's called pride. And you know what pride is? Pride is when you put yourself above somebody else's needs or preferences or desires, whatever that might be. And so the problem is for a lot of us is that we have a hard time maybe seeing eye to eye or getting along or finding commonality and more importantly, unity, maybe in our marriage, maybe with our kids, our parents, our coworkers. And it might just be that maybe what we think is the problem is not necessarily the problem, those are maybe just the symptoms of something else that's going on in our lives. In essence, what Paul was trying to help them understand is that you know what, your outlook determines your outcome. So sometimes we have to just shift our perspective and what we need to do is we need to shift our perspective and change the way we see one another. We gotta see people for who they are and see people through the eyes of God. And so here's what I think it's here. Here's what I think is very important for, for us to understand. And if you and if you have something, I encourage you to to maybe jot down a couple of things because I think this is so crucial. And that is this: there is a difference between unity and uniformity. Let me explain to you the difference. You see, uniformity it results from pressure that we experience from the outside. And everything that we're seeing unfold right now in our nation is you're seeing. A nation filled with people that is feeling the pressures from the outside, which is enticing us and challenging us and trying to persuade us to do what? To conform to other beliefs or to conform to other practices or conform to other lifestyles or to conform to a way of life that may be in contradiction to who God is and what God's plans and purposes are For our lives. That's called uniformity. That's pressure that is placed upon us from the outside. But unity comes from within. Unity is all attached to the heart, it's a heart issue. So, this is the reason why if we're gonna see, listen to this. If we're going to see a change in our nation, we're going to see a change as far as people returning back to God. We're going to see healing and we're going to see restoration and we're going to see, listen, a revival take place in our lives and in our marriages and our homes and our families and our schools and our government. Listen, wherever it might be, it's going to be when God brings about a change of heart that only He can bring about in people's lives. So here are three things that I think are important when it comes to establishing a sense of unity and experiencing a relationship revival in our own lives. Number one is this, it's important that we take inventory. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 26, verse two. He said, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. You know, I think it's important that sometimes we just pause because if we find ourselves, and, you know, and, and maybe just in a, in a consistent pattern of arguing and having disagreements or fights about, you know, it, sometimes it, it's amazing how they can be even sometimes started over little things. And yet the little things will manifest and, and, and escalate into becoming bigger things. And before we realize it, suddenly now we're overcome by what? By the symptoms of anger and hurt and frustration and disappointment. But here's what somebody shared with me many, many years ago, and I thought this was so good. You see, if, if Sally is having a problem with Paul, and Dave is having a problem with Paul, and Mike is having a problem with Paul, and John is having a problem with Paul, the chances are <laughs> Paul's the problem. And I think what happens a lot of times is that, you know, if we're not willing to admit That we've done wrong, if we're not willing to swallow our pride, if we're not willing to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, God, cross-examine me. God, put my heart on trial. Is there any self-centeredness in my heart? Is there any pride that is perhaps maybe causing me to be the person at fault here in my marriage? Am I the one who is to blame when it comes to why we're having so many challenges or difficulties? Am I trying to be right about everything? Am I trying to get my way about everything? Am I trying to control the situation, the circumstances, or the people who have maybe different opinions or maybe see things from a different perspective than I do? Well, here's the thing. I think it's important that we all realize, you ready for this? that we all have issues. Come on now. I'm just curious, how many of you know somebody who's got issues? Come on, let me light up that chat. You may, you, may, you may not want to do that. You may want to give names, okay? Because it's there forever, okay, in social media. Here's the thing. Here's the bigger question. How many of you would be willing to admit that you have issues? Now, you're probably thinking, well, I don't have any issues. Well, if you are bold enough to state that you don't have any issues, well, there lies the issue. (laughs) Because you see, we all have issues. We are all fallen, broken sinners in need of a Savior. Listen, we are all frail and fragile and imperfect people. That is the reason why it's important for us to look at ourselves in the mirror and take inventory and say, God, is there anything in my life that maybe I need to confess? I believe the five most important words that can ever come out of our mouth, you ready for this, are the words, I admit I was wrong. I am totally convinced that people would much rather be with someone who is willing to be real than someone who's always trying to be right. And I think it's important that we just pause and we take inventory and we examine our hearts. Number two is that we have to not only take inventory, but we have to shift our focus from me to we. You see, we is always greater than me. I love what 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18 and 19 Paul also, wrote these words to another group of believers, and he said this He said, God has restored our relationship with Him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. In other words, God was using Christ to restore His relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them, and He has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. You see, what God desires is that we not only find reconciliation and restoration in our relationship with Him, which He made possible through what Jesus did on the cross for us, it was because of what Jesus did that allows us to be reconciled with God. He became the bridge for us as sinful people to experience forgiveness, have salvation, and be reconciled to our Creator, our relationship with God. But here's the thing. God wants us to share that same ministry. In fact, He's called us as believers who have been forgiven to help forgive others, to help demonstrate and to show that same love and reconciliation to those around us. I think it's important that we know the difference between resolution and restoration. You see, when you think about resolution, that simply means when there's conflict, we're just trying to put an end to conflict. But that always falls short because you can maybe put an end to conflict from your perspective, but yet there's hurt feelings, there's disappointment, there's, there's, there's resentment, maybe over time even bitterness that begins to manifest in our lives. But the goal is restoration. It's all about reconciliation. In other words, that means it's all about reestablishing the relationship. Maybe you've gone through the pain of divorce. What does restoration mean? doesn't mean that you necessarily have to go back and, and remarry your ex. It just simply means that what you've done is you've put the past behind you and you have found peace and you've made peace between your past and between someone else. You see, I think that is what many people, unfortunately, are missing today, is they've never made peace between themselves and God, and therefore they've yet to find a way to have peace between themselves and other people. Philippians chapter two, verses three through five says it this way: "Abandon every display of selfishness." Paul, Paul said, "Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest." And consider the example that Jesus has set before us and let His mindset become your motivation. You see, I believe our highest and most important goal should always be focused around seeking to serve the needs of others rather than expecting others to always be serving our needs and our wants and our preferences. To always be siding in with our opinions per se and doing what we believe is the right thing to do. Can I just say this? It's like the old golden rule, you know, that Jesus set forth in the Beatitudes. And what did he say in Matthew 7? He said, In everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way you want them to treat you. For that is the essence of all the teachings of the law and the prophets. You remember the... The religious scholar that approached Jesus and asked him the question, he said, hey, Jesus, what would you consider to be the greatest commandment in all of the Bible? And Jesus summarized it with this statement. He said, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he said that the second is equally as important, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Can you imagine if we got, listen, if we were willing To be just as concerned, to be just as attentive, to be just as committed to ensuring the fact that somebody else's needs, that somebody else's life is being cared for and ministered to, that we are putting the needs and the preferences of someone else before ourselves. You see, I think at the end of the day, if we're going to experience everything that God has for us, then that's really what He wants, is He wants us to shift our focus away from me to we. Why? Because we is always greater than me. And I believe when we do that, here's what we're doing, is we're actually putting into practice God's purpose. He wants us to exemplify by the way we live, through our attitudes and through our actions, so that the way we live will be a testimony to everyone around us. The third thing is this, and that is we have to disagree without being disagreeable. (laughs) I think this is so important. Romans 12 verse 18, Paul said it this way, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You see, we're all different. We're all wired differently. We all have different personalities. We all have different backgrounds. Many of us are raised differently. Therefore, we see things from a different perspective. You know the story, if you've been around our church for any length of time, you know, when my wife Michelle and I got married, it was a big adjustment for both of us. I came from a family of all boys. She came from a family of all girls. We just kind of brought two completely di- different perspectives, you know, you know when you, to the little things. You know, when you think about toothpaste, do you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom? or do you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle? The middle, right? That's the best way. What about toilet paper? Come on, that's always a major explosive point of arguments, right? I mean, are, are you the one who prefers the toilet paper to, to go over or to go under? Come on, everybody. Listen, chat it up. Whatever you, whatever you prefer there. But here's the thing. You an over or an under? Well, you know, it's amazing to me that you can argue all day long whether it's right or whether it's wrong to be over or under. At the end of the day, who really cares? Why does it really matter? and yet we'll allow little things like that to come between us. We'll allow little things like that to turn into escalated arguments. At the end of the day, we have to be willing to agree to disagree. In other words, you can disagree without being disagreeable. You know what that's called? That's called maturity. It's called self-control. That's called being filled with the Spirit and having the mind of Christ and the attitude of Christ of doing what? of treating others and serving others as you would want them to treat us and to serve us. So with that said, here's the key to a relationship revival. It all begins by having a sense of unity. One heart, listen, one passion, Paul said, with one mind and doing everything we can to walk harmoniously, unified, walking together fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Can you imagine if we begin to do that in our hearts, in our personal lives, we made peace between us and God, peace between, listen, the people who matter most in our lives. And can you imagine what would happen if, if our churches experienced this kind of relationship revival, we became unified around the purposes of God, living with hearts pure and man passionate to to give God everything we got, where we focus on the things we do have in common, which is Jesus. Can you imagine what kind of testimony we would have to a world that's living in darkness when they see believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, those who call ourselves born again Christians, who actually live and behave the things that they say, that they believe, and that they're all about. Can you imagine what could happen in our world today, in our nation today, if we would just love God more and would love people better. Can you imagine the kind of impact we could make with people who are spiritually lost, who would see the change and see the difference in our lives and those living in darkness would be drawn to the light of Jesus Christ that radiates in and through our lives so that the world that is watching, they see, by how we live, just how much we love God and how much we truly love one another. That's the key to starting a relationship revival in our lives. I wanna ask you, if you would, to join me in a word of prayer. You know, you may be a follower of Jesus Christ, but you know what? Maybe you have fallen out of love with Him. And right here on this Valentine's Day, maybe this is an opportunity for you just to fall back in love with Him. To ask God to restore to your heart the joy of your salvation maybe you just need to make peace between you and God or maybe you need to actually go to someone and just make peace between you and maybe someone in your past you know you may be watching today and maybe you're that one who's been somewhat skeptical maybe you've wondered The legitimacy to this whole Christianity thing because maybe it's been a struggle for you because you know people who have claimed to be Christians but yet for whatever reason they seem to live a life that is contradictory to what they say they believe. And Maybe the enemy has discouraged you. Maybe as a result in your heart of hearts you've grown cold or callous or even hardened towards the things of God. But I just want you to know, as I stated a few moments ago, none of us are perfect. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And that includes you. And the only way that you can truly be forgiven is by establishing a relationship with Jesus Christ who loves you, who died for you, and who more than anything wants a relationship with you. And so today, would you just open up your heart and today would you be willing to put your faith and your trust in Jesus and allow Him to be the Lord of your life. You can pray this prayer with me. Just say something like this. Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I believe in my heart that Jesus died on a cross and He arose again. And today, by faith, I'm inviting Jesus into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer just then, would you do me a huge favor, okay? Right, if you're maybe if you're watching online, if you're watching us at our website, just go to the top of the screen there and click the I Decided button. And what that will do is it will uh, allow you to fill out a little digital connection card. And we would love to know that you prayed that prayer. Maybe you want to put in the chat there, if you're watching on Facebook, just put I Decided. And we'll do the same thing. We'll send you a little, uh, a little link that you can fill out, open it up, and fill out our digital card. We have a booklet that's called Rethinking Life Every Day that I want to personally send to you. So if you'll fill it out by clicking the I Decided button, maybe using a little QR code there that's a real quick and easy way to to access the, the digital connection card. But let us know that you pray that prayer. Just say, I decided it, and we'll get that booklet to you. Well, I'm excited because today we're going to have the opportunity to kind of unpack this, I think, in a very practical way, because through the conversation of just kind of taking some of the key highlights, I think it's something that you're going to be able to not only benefit from, but I think it's something that you're going to want to share with other people. So let's get ready as we have a little table talk and talk about today's message in more detail.
1: Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for Table Talk. We just finished week one of Relationship Revival, and I'm here with Pastor Rodney and Pastor
2: Michelle, and we're just going to chat about what we learned today and just some of our takeaways. Yeah, it was a great, great message. We were hanging out, listening, and it was so, so good. Um, And I thought, right at the very top, your illustration about the pain in your back, Sometimes what we're focusing on may not be our issue. It's kind of exhausting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's kind of the the problem isn't necessarily your problem. Right. What we think is the problem, you know, isn't really the root problem. Root problem typically stems from something else, but. We get
2: fixated on what we think is the problem and we can't see. With in the right perspective of what really is the problem. Exactly.
0: And I, yeah. and I do think, I think it is, you know, an issue of perspective a lot of times because mm-hmm. that's where we do get out of alignment if we're not seen correctly. And yeah. so, again, we have a tendency to cast blame or, you know, maybe uh, shift the focus to, to someone else's problem. But at the end of the day, you know, we all have our own issues mm-hmm. like we talked about. That's so.
1: right. So we have to take inventory, you said, yes take
2: inventory and yeah. I loved
1: also when you said when you get your heart right you get a better perspective on loving one another that's and good. that's something that took me a, a, a quite a while to learn but it really does affect our relationships in the way that we can love every person that we meet
2: yeah, and I think that's a continual thing that yes. we're doing, you know, it's not like I got my heart right today and mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm good, you know, because we can <laughs> we can fall off quick yes. and, you know, not have the right spirit or right attitude.
0: I heard someone would say that what's in you flows through you. Yes. And I think, you know, that's yeah. why, you know, even you know, the scripture teaches us in Proverbs, you know, out of the heart proceeds so many things, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So our hearts have a profound impact on just not only our perception, but sometimes just You know, we don't even realize it, but we say things, we act out in ways that is truly a reflection of something deeper that's going on, you know, on the inside.
2: The scripture says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I think that's just like a continual prayer that we have to be praying, especially in our relationships, you know, because it's easy to get sideways and all of a sudden, you know, because it's a heart issue. So that was really, really good.
1: That's good. Another thing I thought was so good is your second point, and it was shift the focus from me to we. And I thought that was so powerful for us because we're actually in a season where we just relaunched life groups. And so first life group semester of the year, and being in a life group, I can say really has changed my perspective on how I look at myself and and just really seeing that I do need people. Yes, Yes. coming
2: out of this whole quarantine, COVID, you know, perspective or mindset that we've been in, just kind of taking care of me, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of just hanging out with me and those right around close to me, but coming back into we. Our first service in person this past week was so powerful. Just to shift to we was incredible. There's such power in, in we.
0: Yeah, yes. we like to say, you know, don't do life alone. Yeah, you know, we're better and stronger together. We like to say, let's do great things together because John's yeah. a part of God's plan. He, we can't do life alone. We're better together and we need the right people yeah. in our lives that we can look to and, and you know people who we love and trust and we build that that relationship where they can you know, we we give them the opportunity to speak into our lives as That's well. Good. So we learn from one another as iron sharpens iron, the Bible says, so one person, person sharpens another. So we need one another, no doubt.
2: That's right. And you said we is always greater than me. I thought that was powerful because, uh, you know, it's easy even if you're an introvert, you know, sometimes you just want me. Just, just, I just need me time. But we is always greater than me. I thought that was really powerful. And then we have to disagree without being disagreeable. Ooh, come on. That's a good one right there. <laughs> I, that's a mind jerker, I guess, what'd you call it? <laughs> you have to yes. think on that one for a second.
0: Well, I think we're always trying to get somebody to side in with us because mm-hmm. we're convinced we're right. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're gonna be talking about this more next week because there are some things, honestly, that maybe we may not disagree with spiritually or morally. So it's kind of like, where do you draw mm-hmm. the line? We'll, we'll unpack that issue totally next week. Cause oh, I know good. some of you already been thinking about that. Yeah, like, well, well, what if this, or what if that? We'll talk about that next week. But at the end of the day, we're all frail, we're all fragile, we're all imperfect. And you know, we can't all see eye to eye on everything. Mm-hmm. We're all unique, we're different. And we have different perspectives, personalities, And so, but yet those weaknesses can also become strengths Mm -hmm. when we learn how to complement each other's strengths and weaknesses and just know and and, and, and be compassionate toward those um, that are different and who, you know, may not do things like we would prefer or this or that. But at the end of the day, it's putting on the heart of a servant and say, okay, what can I do to serve this other person's needs?
1: That's good. That's so good. Well, that was so awesome just getting to spend a few moments just unpacking what we learned today. And I just want to thank you guys for joining us for Church Online today. Don't forget to be here next week as we join week two of Relationship Revival. We're so excited to see you guys soon.
0: in your life.